Edge is away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. Melden scored. in the corner. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. Our show is hosted and produced by a bunch of ex-writers for Real Sport back when they actually covered real sports. Much like them, we are by the fans and for the fans, and we like to have some fun while we try to delve into a bit of analysis as well. Before the season starts in 2023, we've assembled a craft team to run our eye over each squad and predict how their season will go for them. And to help me talk about the Cronulla Sharks, who exceeded everybody's expectations last year, they finished second, of course, had that home semi against the Cowboys, almost beat them. Then they got out in straight sets, but they did come second after all. It's the Cronulla Sharks. Daniel Friend, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Bo. Yeah, they were beaten by the Chad on that home <laughs> semi-final night. Yeah, I couldn't really <laughs> believe that. But, yeah, ready to talk about some gummy sharks. How cruel. How cruel to be beaten by that haircut that used to – he's a premiership winner for the club. Oh, I love it. I love the irony. Sorry, a bit of Cowboys coming out in me there. I'll try and rein it in just for you, Chris Waring. Chris, how are you? Hey, good, mate. It's one of the saddest faces you can suffer losing to – the chatterboard people, um, especially when he pulls out his superior rule book knowledge on you, as he did against the West Tigers round 21, 2022. Anyway, moving on. The, the, uh, what did you call it in the group chat? The avant garde rule book knowledge. Yeah, they were like, well, you won't find a specific ruling in the rule book. It's like, it's, it's all interpretive. It's postmodern rule book. You just got to imagine the rules. <laughs> it's POMO. <laughs> Boys, let's get into the Cronulla Sharks and stop talking about Chad Townsend for a hot second. Uh, they, they, as I mentioned, they came second. It was a very good season for them last year. But we are going to see if you guys rate or don't rate particular parts of the organization, be it their coach, Craig Fitzgibbon, be it their recruitment, uh, their forward packs, buying backline. I might, uh, might throw some random questions at you along the way, and we're going to give some predictions at the end. Let's start with their player movements. Now, they've been fairly quiet on, on that front. They've basically just upgraded a couple of development contracts. They have brought in Oregon Kafusi from the Parramatta Eels. I think that's an underrated signing. They have let go of, well, Andrew Fafita and Aiden Tolman both retired, so Kafusi is going to help plug that gap. They also have let go of Luke Metcalf, who's gone to the Warriors, Lachlan Miller, who's gone to the Knights, and Franklin Pele, who has gone to the Bulldogs. So their their fullback depth has been hurt as well as their front row depth. Friendy, do you rate their recruitment? Again, we sort of spoke about one of the other sides today, and um, similar with the Sharks, I don't rate their recruitment, but I, I rate their overall squad and the upgrades they've done. And, and they sort of did all their recruiting coming into last year, so... Yeah, I, I don't rate it for this year, but still a good squad. What do you think, Chris? Very similarly, like not the greatest recruitment, but good squad. Yeah, overall, overall good, good um, squads uh, depth around. It's they're still working with some, I guess, heavier contracts for certain players who really don't deserve as much money. But they've probably done what they could, and I think yeah, Oregon Kafusi is quietly underrated pickup. I feel the same way. Obviously, the recruitment's not fantastic, but for what it is, for what they needed, it's. I think it's just about perfect. Maybe they're a fullback short, but they have got guys like Cade Dykes and 
Kyle Iro, Iro rather in the squad as well, who can fill that role. And they did spend a, a bit of money last year re-signing guys like Blake Braley, uh, Ronaldo Molotalo, Matt Moylan, Royce Hunt, uh, Britton Nakora, of course. So they've, they've got a, a fair bit of money tied up there, not to mention new recruits like Fanukin, McInnes, Nico Hines, M medal winner. Let's talk about Craig Fitzgibbon in his very first year as an NRL coach. Uh, took a team to second on the ladder, a team that was not expected to get that high. In fact, at the preseason predictions, I think I was one of the only ones to predict they'll make the eight at all. And I thought maybe like seventh or eighth. They exceeded just about everyone's expectations. Chris, do you rate Craig Fitzgibbon? Uh, yes, but I think people should maybe just call the breaks a little bit, especially considering the. I think they they should be disappointed in their postseason exit. Pretty easy way to you know. Very disappointing the way they finished their season. But, yeah, I think Craig Fitzsimmons a, a very good young coach. He's done his apprenticeship for quite a while. Friendy, do you rate Mr. Fitzgibbon? Absolutely. I wish Newcastle signed him when they were in talks with him and Adam O'Brien. But I think Fitzgibbon in the end actually knocked them back. So, yeah, spewing because he's done a great job at the Sharks and it looks like he's going to be there for a long time. Uh, certainly rate him. One thing I rate about him was the fact that – he obviously as a player was a super fit player, the kind of guy that extracted all of the talent out of his potential, right? Like he just exuded everything that he could out of himself. And he's also the kind of guy that, as you mentioned there, Friendy, he had the opportunity and not just at the Knights. He was one of the highest rated assistants before Cameron Sreldo became that. He Like Fitzgibbon was that guy. And he had plenty of opportunities, but he waited until he found the job that he wanted, that he felt that he could imprint himself on and have success with. And he obviously did something about the Sharks that impressed him the most. And so far, so good for Craig Fitzgibbon, I've got to say. Let's talk about their forward pack. Now, as I mentioned, Tolman and Fafita are out and Oregon Kafusi comes in. They still have the likes of Wade Graham, who still signed for just this year. Uh, Del Finucane for a further three years, McKinnis. Royce Hunt, Hamlin Uele, they were both upgraded last year. I think they both had really good years. Friendy, do you rate their forward pack? Yeah, I really like their forward pack. Uh, I think it's um, a good mix of size and power and and sort of speed and skill. So there's um, a a lot of bases covered there. I think this year, breakout year, T. Wilton will have a breakout year this year on that left edge. Uh, Wade Graham will be playing off the bench. So, yeah, look for Teague Wilton to have a big year. Like their forward back, yeah. Been watching Teague Wilton since he destroyed, destroyed the Queensland under-20s in an origin game uh, a number of years ago now. he's He was he was wonderful in that game. I think he scored a couple of tries. Chris, do you rate the forward pack of the Sharks? Yeah, uh, solid all around because the season heads there, you know, Fanook uh, and Graham. And then, you know, Hamlin Uelli's a good player, Royce Hunt, very solid. Kafusi's, uh, like just mentioned before, underrated pickup, Toby Rudolph, uh, Talek guy, if he depends where he plays. Mm. Yeah, just really solid all around, and I think they have a decent depth as well. So, yeah, I think it's one of the better packs. I'm also pretty high on Jack Williams. Yeah. I think he's pretty good too. So to throw him into that mix, I, I think they've got a really good forward pack. Let's talk about the spine. Now, Nico Hines... Dalian player of the year, I think the most votes ever, the most points ever, rather, uh, even beating Tommy Tavoyevich the previous year. And 
Matt Moylan at five eight. Gee, didn't they form a combination where it was? Gee, <laughs> didn't I just sound like Matt Nabel? <laughs> gee, didn't they form a combination? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so we've got Nico Hines, we've got uh, Matt Moylan, Will Kennedy probably keeps his spot at fullback. Uh, as I mentioned, a little lack of depth there now, so they're really relying on him. And Blake Braley, who has been signed until two thousand and twenty six on a reported half a million dollars per season. Chris, do you like this one? Yeah. That's uh, pretty good. Be interesting to see Moylan can keep up the, I guess, the, the revitalization of his career in a way. Will Kennedy, I've really been big on him, but he's, I think he's been a little bit inconsistent as of late. In terms of the broader, the fullback depth is going to be interesting. Nico, so it's interesting how Nico Hines goes um, season after. But, uh, yeah, on paper, I, I don't think – it's one of those things where it's like it doesn't look amazing, but it – your you know recent season just tells you it works and it works well because they finished second. So yeah, I like it, but I, I don't think it's great. But I mean, the results tell us they're great. So what do I know? Yeah, friendy. It's like it's a matter of all of the parts on their own. Maybe on the exception of Nico Hines, probably aren't like superstar level, but together they seem to gel pretty well. I think. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that's spot on, Bo. I think they've. They've got a really good mix there as well of um, speed and skill and guile. And Moylan's turned into quite the, I don't know, just efficient number six. He really strips a short side well, the, mm. the fours on threes and threes on twos. I think that's sort of back to his fullback days, that sort of skill and, and touch footy and things like that. So, yeah, I, I like their spine. I think Blake Braley is a really, really, really super talent. I, I'm really big on him. So, yeah, I think they'll they'll do well again. And Braden Trindle as a backup, um, uh, sorry, a backup spine member as well. He's quite solid. Uh, I think Nico Hines, I mean, judging by his all-star game just recently, I don't think there's going to be much of a hangover there. He works just too hard. And I like, for any that you mentioned, Matt Moylan's touch footy because ever since he came into grade and we heard about his touch footy and then you see him just throw these beautiful passes, like just getting on the outside of people and stuff, just beating them with a pass. Oh, yeah, rate him. Absolutely rate his passing game above above everything else in his game. Let's talk about the back line. A big chunk of it has been re-signed last year. They're also trying to re-sign a whole bunch of them as well. I did mention some of the depth signings earlier, but uh, Sione Katoa will be looking for a new contract. Uh, Ronaldo Militalo, Queensland Origin Camp legend until he became a New Zealand legend and is playing really well. Jesse Ramian also looking for a new contract this year. And Talakai, if he does play in the centres, will be an option there too. Not to mention Kieran's favourite player ever, Connor Tracy. Friendy, do you rate their back line? Yep, I do. Uh, again, I think uh, some really important parts of a or potential premiership winning team are good front rowers, uh, good spine and and good wingers out of yardage. And I think they have that. They've got some good um, attacking centres there as well, big aggressive guys in Talakai and Ramian. So, yeah, I certainly rate their um, back line. Yeah, pretty much the same. Um, you know, no, I guess, massive superstars on paper, but all very good first-grade players, big, strong, fast, skillful, reliable. So I like it a lot. All right, here's, here's a curly one for you maybe have a think about it for a sec are they the new storm now the reason i'm going to throw this one out there is a couple of reasons one dalfinuk and nico hines they seem to have just brought this culture from the storm and they've imported it into the cronulla sharks area and they look like a club on the rise to me but a big thing behind that is exactly what we've been talking about is that you look through their team 
and you sit there and go, yeah, good player, good player, good player, good player, good player. But you can probably point to maybe like two or three superstars. And the rest of them are just really good role players. They're fast, they're agile, they're strong. I think they're starting to develop into the new storm. Friendy, is that a crazy call? I don't think it's crazy. I, I reckon if you asked me that without sort of qualifying your question there, then maybe I would have said it was crazy. But now you lay it out like that, it does have vibes of, was it like sort of 04, 05 when Melbourne were that sort of fifth or sixth place side and they sort of got knocked out mm-hmm. uh, when they had Matt Orford and, and still a quite a good side and then they turned into what they turned into. So, yeah, maybe not a crazy take there, Bo. I actually don't mind that. I'll go with no at the moment, but maybe there, there's potential there and they've got a very hard-working coach. So, yeah, maybe. Chris, is, is Friendy just being too nice to me? <laughs> uh, no, nah, I'm kind of with Friend. I'm going to say no, but and I also think that the names they have are, are, are better than what you would often see, you know, Tom Dick and Harriet on the Storm squad being rolling out after a brick lang shift and then being guns. So, <laughs> uh, like, because I think the the forward the forward name they have more, I guess, name recognition. But like to to lead your point into a bit, like someone like what they've done, how Matt Moylan has kind of fixed his career, I guess, at the same club rather than. But it has been like storm system like, but. I think they've got to withstand some of their forwards eventually leaving at certain points for money and whatnot, and then let's see what the future generation looks like. But um, I guess that they have the potential to, I guess, to be that that replicate that next storm system. But I don't think they're there quite yet. All right, and next question I got for you is regarding Wade Graham. Now, Friendy mentioned earlier that Wade's probably going to play from the bench. Uh, T. Wilton, it's his time. Wade hasn't been himself the last year or two and he's had a lot of injuries and he's getting on a little bit as well with age so my question is will he have impact from the bench like will he be a positive impact from the bench or do we do we feel like maybe the sharks are carrying him because of what he means to the club a little bit he's obviously still a co-captain with del finucan chris do you think that wade graham can have positive impact from the bench or will be without saying the word liability, sort of in that ballpark? Uh, no, I don't think it'll be a liability, but um, it's obvious he's not the same player. Still very skillful for a forward. Um, like, I think he'll be a serviceable rotation piece, which is, you know, that's fine. I, I don't think I don't think he'll be carried anyway. Like, I think he's fine. I think that's what he is now. Like, a, a nice skillful forward off the bench, probably, you know, 20, 30 minutes a game, 25, 30. I think he'll play his role. And what I'm curious about, and Friendy, I suppose I'll morph the question for you. So the same question to you, but also like, what will they do with him? Because like, do they bring him on on an edge and move Wilton into the middle, or does does Wade Graham maybe come on and play some middle, like a lock or something? Yeah, well, he played five uh, eight in the first trial, so I guess you've got him there. He's between him and McGuinness, uh, almost like you're fourteen for um, the Sharks. So. I guess McGuinness will only play in the middle and potentially fill in at hooker if required. Wade Graham can cover edge, middle, and halves. So, yeah, there's a fair bit of versatility between them. I'm not really sure where he'll come on because if you think about their front row rotation plus Fanukan who plays lock and front row, I don't know if there's a spot there for Wade in the middle. Maybe he will just come on the edge for a bit and see how he goes, but I, I, I'm not sure how they'll use him, but he'll be in the 17, yeah. And and you assume that he'll be a, a positive influence in that role? 
Yeah, I think so, yeah. He can have a real impact with ball in hand or without. He's known to put a bit of a shot on as well and get his team up and about. And his footy IQ is is quite high. So, yeah, I think he's very valuable to that team still. All right. Now, the boys now have a tough job of deciding whether the Sharks are going to stay in the top four like they did last year or whether they slip a bit into the bottom half of the top eight or even further out of the top eight. Friendy, where are they going to land? I've got the Sharkies fifth to eighth, and I think, yeah, I'm not too sure. Probably the higher end of that, but, yeah, that's where they are for me just at the moment. Is that because of the storm resurgence, do you think, back into the top four plus the Roosters, I guess? Yeah, I'm always just pretty hot on the the Panthers, Storm, and uh, Roosters in my top four, so there's generally only one spot going there, and um, we'll get to that when we do that podcast, but... Yeah, you might be a bit happy about that one, I reckon. Ah, oh, Tigers, gotcha. Oh. <laughs> and uh, Chris, where do you have the Sharks finishing? Uh, I've got them top four, but I think fourth. Yeah, I think they'll be uh, third or fourth. Not definitely not one, not first, not second. Um, if I had to predict exactly, I'll say fourth. I think they'll still be a very solid team, which again, this co lines with. Uh, what I said about the storm previously, I think they'll um, where they'll be. But yeah, I, I am concerned about the sharks actually being serious contenders. But I think I think they're a top four team. Yeah, I've, I've got them in the top four as well. Partly because I don't think the storm will be able to climb back into the top four. Um, I also think the eels will probably tumble a little bit from the top four personally. Uh, We'll get to that. What I like about the Sharks is that I think they've built sensibly. Like they've got a lot of guys coming through. Their reserve grade teams do quite well. They obviously lose to the Panthers because everyone does. But apart from that, like, you know, those those clubs underneath coming through uh, in the Sharks system are really strong. Um, They've got a really promising coach who did his time. He's a very disciplined kind of guy, very fitness first kind of guy. They're not the kind of team that's going to lose games from fitness or anything like that. So like the Cowboys, and I'm obviously biased in that sense, and that's who Friendy is referring to for that fourth spot. I think they both are on a similar trajectory in that way. You know, they're they're building from the right way up uh, from the juniors. They have good signings that come in and been good culture signings. Great coaches, yeah. I, I think they're a top four team. I, I do, um, and I'd be I'd be kind of surprised if they're not actually this year, to be honest. So, let's talk about bowl predictions, Friendy. What do you got for us uh, this year for the Sharkies? I think it just depends on Appy Corusau. I think, but I think Blake Braley may make an extended blue squad. I'm not sure if he'll play. I, I would have thought not, but I think he might start getting in and around those camps. That's high praise for Blake Braley because I know that you're also pretty high on, on Reese Robson, who yeah. I think did sneak into a squad last year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, interesting. I, I'd like to see it. I think Braley's a good talent as well and obviously a very hard worker. Chris, what's your bold prediction for the Sharks? Uh, mine is that Connor Tracy will retire in embarrassment from some shocking first-grade performances. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to like have some sort of like uh, trigger warning at the start of the episode for Kieran Gibson. Um, Kieran, don't listen to this episode. Yeah, that's why in lieu of actually not trying to, I can't figure out a serious one off the top of my head. So <laughs> that'll <don't know>. <laughs> just take take pot shots at him. I've yep. got uh, I've got Kyle Eero coming up with 
let's call it 10 tries. Why not? I've got a funny feeling about this guy. I think he's going to be a real, real good player. All the, he's making like all the good judges are making a lot of the right noises about him. So I can't wait to see him in the first grade. Friendy, Chris, thank you both very, very much for your expertise and your time. And thank you to the audience for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, find us on Facebook, interact, co- uh, comment, like, all that sort of stuff. And please rate on whatever app you're listening on. Five stars is, of course, preferred. And make sure you subscribe so you can go above the horizontal next week. But until then... Above the Horizontal is a rugby league podcast by the fans and for the fans. It's produced by our entire team of former writers for Real Sport, including Daniel Friend, Christopher Waring, Miles Steppen, Kieran Gibson, and me, Bo Nicholson. We'd love it if you could support us by telling a rugby league fan about us so they can go above the horizontal as well. Thanks for listening. See you next time. You know what's tricky sometimes? Picking who is going to win at the Oscars. You have to get yourself to a cinema to see all the movies, or at least have all the possible streaming services to make sure you don't miss a single one. You have to pay attention to all the precursor award shows to see who's winning so far. The Golden Globes, the BAFTAs, they're the pretty obvious ones. But don't forget the Critics' Choice Awards, or the SAGs, or the DGAs, or the PGAs, or the Eddies, or the Gothams, or the AFI Top 10, or the National Board of Review. Ugh. Exhausting right? Or you can just join me for Academy Watch on the We Made This Podcast Network. I'm the host, Bo Nicholson, and I've been reading the trends, keeping stats, and seeing as many movies as humanly possible, and I can tell you who the big players will be on the big night. Me and a different guest each week will also be dissecting one of the key movies each season, including giving out personal awards and diving into them thematically. Will everything everywhere all at once remain the front runner and win Best Picture? Or will a film seize the momentum late in the season to storm home, like Coda did last year? Time will tell, but what I do know is that as it happens, you'll hear it on Academy Watch, wherever you get your podcasts.